granddaughter churches was planted by Mercy Hill Church in Greensboro, and there's a former North Wake intern who's on staff there. So through that tangled web, I've been away at that retreat, and as a result, the plan was for Carson Cobb to be here and lead us through a review of Philippians this morning. But Carson has come down with the plague, and he is recovering and quarantining this morning. So we're going to do a little bit of a relay race uh, this morning to review the book of Philippians. I'll start. And then I'm going to pass it to the best Carson uh, Cobb clone that I could find on the web. I'm serious. He's a kind of skinny guy, balding, uh, really funny and super creative. So it's like Carson Cobb. You'll see it in a minute. A little short review. And then Mark Lindsay, one of our elders, is going to come up and really carefully walk through one of the great themes in the book, joy, and show us how God has joy all around us for us uh, as he walks back through that. And then Daniel Cresswell will wrap us up because you can't talk about joy without letting Daniel Cresswell talk about joy, especially this close to Christmas. So that'll be our plan for this morning. Um, most of the scriptures will be on the screen, but you're welcome to pull up your, uh, the scripture of the book of Philippians as well and track us along as we walk through that. Now you might be wondering why, since we've been in the little letter of the Philippians for 12 weeks, why we would spend another one in review, and, and that's a fair question. Um, Jesus answers that question with a little story that he tells from Matthew chapter 7. Jesus says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. So we are taking time to review Philippians today because you don't want to be called a fool by Jesus and suffer the wreckage of your house which is what he says happens to us when we are only hearers of the word. Uh, the book of James picks up on this thing, and James warns us, he says, be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone's a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his face in a mirror. For, for if he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. So today what we're hoping to do is jog your memory about what God has been teaching you for the last three months during our study of Philippians so that you can begin to formulate an answer to the all-important question, what is your takeaway from the book of Philippians? What needs to follow you out of this study and shape you further? Okay. So let me pray for us and then we'll begin this kind of relay race review that we're going to do of the book today. Bow with me, please. Lord, be kind to us. Uh, help us remember what we are tempted to forget, that which you have been teaching us this morning. Help us build a house on the rock that withstands the storms. Help us be doers of your word. We need your help in these matters, Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. So let me get us started by jogging your memory by the passage and the value that's right at the center 
of the book of Philippians and his message for their church and ours. Um, He's concerned that the Philippians would live worthy of the good news of Jesus by being united. And that unity is built on the backs of a humility like Jesus. You'll remember this passage as I read it probably from Philippians 2. Paul says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross." So Paul calls all of us who would follow Jesus to be humble like Jesus. Jesus' obedient humility knew no limits. He would descend to the lowest place imaginable, the public death befitting a convict, death nailed to a cross. In obedience to his Father and out of love for us. And Paul calls us to follow Jesus in this same humility. This is the way. This is what it means to follow Jesus. It's not optional. You cannot follow Jesus and be full of yourself. You must pursue him in humility. And this is the life that you've always wanted. There's no greater joy than following Christ in humility. And so this morning... As you think back over this passage, is God prompting you to walk in greater humility as you follow Jesus this morning? Now, if this great Christ hymn of Philippians 2 is the center of Philippians, with its call for us to follow in that, then the most repeated theme of the book is probably that of joy. By some counts, the theme of joy pops up between 15 and 20 times in this little letter of four chapters. Um, And so what I'd like to do now, I'm going to let our Carson Cobb clone kind of survey the book for you. He'll point out a number of references, 15, to joy in the book. And then Mark Lindsay, one of our elders, is going to get up and walk us more carefully through that theme of joy through the book. And then Daniel Cresswell will, will wrap that up for us. So watch this video as we begin. The Philippian church started in Eastern Europe in Acts chapter 16 during Paul's second missionary journey. You might remember the story. So Paul was hanging out in Galatia and he saw a vision of this guy and he was like, come over here and help us in Macedonia. So he did and he went to a city called Philippi. Acts chapter 16 records two people that got saved while Paul was there. A woman named Lydia and the jailer where Paul and Silas were imprisoned. Paul really was a jailbird, wasn't he? No? Okay. Paul would visit the church a couple more times, including once on his third missionary journey in Acts chapter 20. This letter was written about five years after that visit. So Paul got locked up in Rome. The church found out they sent this guy Epaphroditus 800 miles to give Paul financial and personal assistance. 
Then Paul wrote this letter, gave it to Epaphroditus, and sent him back to Philippi. Philippians is a thank you letter. It's a cyclical letter cycling through the main themes of rejoicing in all circumstances, personal updates, and keeping your mind and heart in a good spot. But if there is one key theme, it's definitely joy, a word and concept that comes up 15 times in the short book. Okay, let's get started. Chapter one starts with an intro. Paul's thankful for the church. He prays for them and he prays for them with joy. And he says, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He finishes chapter one with his first biographical update about his positive view of his prison sentence, how it's increased confidence in other Christians, his joy in Christ, even though people are preaching Jesus out of rivalry towards him. He says, Christ is proclaimed and in that, I rejoice. In chapter two, he talks about unity and humility in Christ. It's this beautiful poetic expression of the glory of Christ and humility. He says, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name that's above every name. Paul also says, complete my joy by having the mind of Christ. In the middle of chapter two, he talks more about obedience and joy he even says one of my favorite verses in the New Testament about sanctification. For it's God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And the ultimate verse that parents tell their kids, do all things without grumbling or questioning. Maybe some adults need to get told that one too. He also says, likewise, you should be glad and rejoice with me. He finishes chapter two with his second biographical update. He's saying, you know, I wanna send Timothy to you to be the leader of their church. He talks about his own intention of returning and the return of their messenger, Epaphroditus, due to serious illness. Paul tells the church to receive him with joy. Chapter three talks about avoiding legalism and embracing Christ. It's got some similar content to Galatians. Paul admonishes the believers against circumcision for its own sake, saying rather, we are the circumcision. He opens that argument with, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. He finishes chapter three with the goal, Jesus Christ. There's a lot of unique comments in here. He says, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. He says, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. He, he says, brothers, join in imitating me. He says, our citizenship is in heaven. And then in chapter four, he talks about rejoicing and the Christian mind. It's got a lot of iconic Bible verses. In fact, Two of the top 10 and four of the top 25 verses on BibleGateway.com are in this chapter. Paul teaches on Christian thought, avoiding anxiety in favor of supplication, thanksgiving, and result of God's peace. He finishes chapter four with another biographical update and a close. He thanks the church for their gifts, both then and in the past, and a promise that God would always give them what they need. Paul says he rejoiced greatly at the revival of their concern for him personally which brings our joy count to 15. All these references to joy are really remarkable. Paul was in prison in Philippi when he met these people. Now he's writing to them from prison with their messenger who almost died of sickness. Paul's stuck in Rome unjustly. People are preaching Jesus to make him mad and yet he's filled with joy. Christians live in air-conditioned homes with pantries filled with food and family and they struggle with joy. Maybe things aren't actually the way to get joy, but Jesus himself, just saying. Paul's practicing what he's preaching. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. That's the key verse in Philippians. The book could be summed up as 
the church and joy in all circumstances. Here's the nine church letters of Paul and what he's talking about. This one fits right there in the middle and it lands in our narrative of scripture. God created, man fell, Jesus promised, Jesus fulfilled, Jesus followed, Jesus returning, and the Bible is God's word. So now that um, airline flights are traveling, are flying again, you can travel. And uh, one of the places you can visit would be the site of ancient Philippi. Um, and as a, um, as a kid, I got glasses and it really made a big difference. I, my eyes had changed enough so that I really needed them. And uh, with that came kind of a fear of leaving my glasses behind uh, when I travel. So if you go to Philippi and you forget your glasses, then you might see a scene, something like this. It's beautiful scenery. You really can't appreciate it unless you can see it um, clearly. It won't be much fun without the right glasses. Um, and we can be like people without the right glasses sometime. Uh, God can be teaching through his word. He can be working among uh, other Christians that we're around. And if we don't see it and recognize it for what it is, then we won't enjoy it. Uh, if you have the right glasses, it can be a lot different. Uh, this is... Uh, in ancient Philippi during the Christian era and um, was, was built as a theater there in Philippi. So you can, you can go see this place. Um, I love the fact that we read a Bible about real places and real times. Um, in Philippians, Paul works like an optician uh, to fit us with the right prescription uh, for our glasses so we can actually um, see what God's doing and we can recognize his work as he's working. Uh, and as you recognize it, you can say, wow, that's amazing. That that fills me with a feeling, and that feeling is called joy. Now, joy is an emotion, a feeling, just like affection is a feeling or fear is a feeling. Uh, we shouldn't be controlled by emotions. The, God's Word warns us against being controlled by our passions. But emotions tell us what's going on inside. They function a little bit like a gauge to indicate uh, what you're sensing. Uh, if you're not feeling any joy, then maybe you're not recognizing what God's actually doing uh, around you. Uh, John Piper has a really wonderful definition. Um, Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul, produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the Word and in the world. So we're going to look at 12 sketches. We're going to dig in a little bit more than uh, what our Carson Cobb um, clone did. We're going to dig in and look at this and let our brother Paul fit us with glasses. So let's pray. While we jump in, before we jump in, Father, you make our eyes and you cure our blindness. Uh, so, Lord, open our eyes, um, give us the, the sight to see, to recognize what you're doing in us, around us, among us, especially here uh, in, your, in your body here at North Wake. Amen. So, we'll start off. Uh, I'm going to read through 12 passages and then we're going to talk about what that shows us and how that gets our prescription right. So, starting in Philippians 1. I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So you can be confident that God is working in your Christian friends to bring them to ultimate salvation. Even though you might, be, you might prefer to be there to help them, uh, you might prefer to be with your family to help them grow, 
Um, even when you're apart, and you, uh, you can be sure that God is at work, and he will complete them. So knowing that that is happening can fire your joy. You know that God is at work. Let's jump to Philippians 1.12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. My imprisonment is for Christ. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. So whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. So here we've got Paul, and he's wrongfully in prison. And then outside, he knows that there are rivals, people, jealous people who are trying to stir up trouble for him. And they seem to be organizing some sort of teaching services, some, maybe some, something like a Bible study. But they, he knows they have the wrong motivation. But what they're doing of these is they're preaching the gospel. They're actually explaining Christ. So the situation is sorrowful. Um, the circumstances are not perfect. And, you know, that's not uncommon. All of us Christians are imperfect. We're tainted. Um, no Christian ministers are, are perfect. But Paul is looking through that and he's seeing that, well, the value of Jesus, the worth of letting people know about him is so great that it overwhelms the bad circumstance. And he feels joy because the, the gospel of Christ is going out. People are being helped to know Jesus even in this really bad circumstance. And that brings him joy. And we can be like that too. We can look at what God is doing in the teaching of his word, despite the circumstance, and feel joy in that, that God is doing that. Now we'll go to Philippians 1.18, continue. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Paul holds out an amazing example for us. When you realize and you grasp that Christ, the awesome, holy God who dwells in unapproachable light, worthy of all praise and glory and dominion and honor, that Christ will be honored by your life and what you are enduring while you continue to trust him. That's pretty amazing that he's going to use, the great God of the universe is going to use your life and what you're going through. That will bring you joy when you realize that Christ is that powerful, that he's that generous, that he will do that through you and that you can be part of bringing him honor. Let's jump to Philippians 2 now. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Joy is that feeling you get deep inside when you see your Christian family is agreeing with one another. There's been a lot of things to disagree about, but when you see Christian brothers and sisters actually agreeing on things, that's joyful. When you catch a moment when they're being encouraged by one another or, or bringing comfort and help to one another, that can bring you joy. That should bring you joy. That's what Paul is showing us here. You know, uh, unity isn't actually natural. Getting along with people is a supernatural work of God uh, when, when that's happening. Helping someone else who doesn't hold your same opinions, that's not normal. Um, that's the work of God. And so we can enjoy that when we see that those are actually miracles. You have to have eyes that, are, that see and glasses that are, 
that are polished up to be able to, to, to let you recognize that and then feel the joy. So look for those moments. Look for when that's happening. We're going to go to Philippians 2.17 now. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the, the, the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. When you can believe, and you should, that God is using you to help somebody else to know him better, to trust God's word better, even when that work that you're doing it feels like it drains you, when you can believe that, knowing that should bring you joy, that God is using you in that way. That's a beautiful thing that God can use you for, and he wants you to experience the feeling of joy when you realize that you are being able to, to help one another. Philippians 2.25, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need, for he has been longing for you all. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. There are people you know who are sacrificing their time, their life, their convenience, their comfort to uh, help you to trust God more. When you think about what they're doing for you and how monumentally important that actually is for you to recognize the greatness of God, then that should bring you joy. When you see those people, when you recognize that's a person who is working for my faith, that should fire your joy. In Philippians 3, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. You may be at a time right now or soon with problems or grief or anxiety. And in that moment, God can remind you that you belong to Jesus. That he has already solved the biggest problem of all. So you've got your problems that are real, that are painful right now, but you had a bigger problem, and Jesus has solved that for you. That was a monstrous problem. When God lets you see just how safe you actually are, that will bring you joy. Also in Philippians 3, starting at verse 8. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So look how Paul describes his achievements and his scholarship. He says, when it comes to gaining eternal life, all of that stuff is worth flushing down the toilet. It's all, it's all garbage. Joy comes when you realize that the best you could produce is as good as sewage for getting you to Christ. That more that than that, that he has made a way that he has created the way for you to be saved, to have that problem solved. He's created the achievement that he um, assigns the, to you. 
Everything you do is as valuable as sewage when it comes to getting to God. Joy comes as you believe that he is trustworthy and worthy of your confidence. Philippians 4. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. So joy is a feeling, but here we see joy is people. So here's an example that applies to us in our life here at Northwake. Suppose you're um, one of the very many who volunteer in children's ministry or student ministry, and you spend some time on Saturday nights planning what you're going to say. You meet with the children and students, and you uh, teach them God's Word. You pray with them. You see them as they're growing up. Um, and then years later, you get to see some of these same people. They're starting to grow up, and they're still faithfully following Jesus. You have had an opportunity to help them in their faith, and you get to enjoy that. You get to see Oh, oh, that girl, she's now serving in the, the student ministry band. Um, he is walking faithfully with Jesus still. I got to be a little bit of part of that. That person can be your joy. Also in Philippians, two, start, uh, Philippians 4, starting in verse 2. I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul is telling his anxious, struggling friends, stop trying to prove that you're right. And start, instead, start thanking God for what he's already done. You can trust that God actually cares, and he wants you to bring him your specific requests. When you trust him this way, he will lift your burden. He gives you a peace that doesn't even fit in your head. That feeling of rest and peace that he gives you, that's called joy. Also, Philippians 4, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Joy radiates in your heart. When, you, when God lets you experience something truly beautiful and you can see his fingerprints of creativity all over it. When you hear about a tough situation that's been resolved, but you know that the outcome was just and fair and pure, you can experience joy there by seeing how God worked. Or when you think of another believer and you see they were responding in just the right way in a particularly difficult situation, they're a really good example. You should rejoice in their good example. Our last sketch comes from Philippians 4 as well. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, 
a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. In the uh, generosity of the Philippian Christians, joy is felt in at least two places. Um, Paul says here in this passage that he is filled with joy seeing their generosity and knowing that that generosity is a pleasing sacrifice to God. But also over in 2 Corinthians, we're told that the Philippians were joyful as they were doing the giving. So this passage really makes me think of intermissions, where every year North Wakers joyfully outbid one another. Uh, they, you guys, uh, support projects like Bible translations, like building a ministry, like funding of teachers, um, all around the world. Uh, all that money is, is given away. And we can look at that spectacle and we can see and rejoice that God is pleased with the other North Wakers and their generosity. That can bring you joy just to see other people being generous. So are the glasses starting to fit? Do you see how the prescription is, is there for you to identify what's going on around you? Um, Philippians is in the Bible to help you see and rejoice in what God is doing. That good feeling of joy wells up when you see what God is doing right close to you. So, for example, one of our sisters, Jen, was in an African jail. And she used it to start a Bible study while she was there. They were, they were learning about God in the jail, jail cells. Just this past week, a Northwick family tragically had a large part of their home burned in a fire. But the very next day, James was out there sharing the gospel with a cleanup crew. Like, that's amazing. That's, that's joy-inspiring to see God working in people in that way. So please pray with me. Father in heaven, please help us to see. Please open our eyes. Don't let us be distracted by our frustrations, our grumpiness, the things that aren't quite right. But let us see clearly the good that you really are doing right around us, uh, in amongst us. Let us look for those moments of agreement, of comfort, of encouragement, of unity, of sacrifice. Let us look at the people that you are sending to help us build our faith and Feel what you want us to feel, which is the joy. It's in your name I pray. Amen.